time for our second hour roundtable on America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. More talking truth about America. And welcome back. And again, happy Independence Day weekend. I hope you are celebrating our nation's Declaration of Independence and uh, enjoying a little bit of a break from your normal routine. I'm broadcasting from San Diego this week, and this is about top of my second hour. So since I'm in San Diego, I don't have a roundtable. So it's just me, myself, and I. But I did want to tell you a great story for the top of the second hour, uh, or a great point about celebrating America's freedoms and celebrating really part of the First Amendment. And again, just to refresh your recollection about things, our Declaration of Independence was the idea that we broke free from England, that we wanted to say we're an independent country and we established the laws. We, the people, hold the power. I read in Ronald Reagan's farewell address in the first hour, read something from his farewell address about our nation being unique in all the world because we were founded on the idea we, the people, choose our government. So we have the Declaration, we have the Revolutionary War, we have America, we have the Constitution. The Constitution, as I often call, is like the... The the structural supports of a bridge. You're not going to have the bridge anymore if you take away the structural supports. You're not going to have our country if you don't honor the Constitution and hold our country up as the the beacon of freedom is supposed to be. So a great ruling happened last week because over time, over the years since we've formed our country, you know, we have – different administrations, different judges, we have Supreme Court decisions, and there has been an erosion of um, the virtue, the depth of respect we're supposed to be giving in America for freedom of religion and freedom of speech. And so I'm going to quickly remind you what our First Amendment says and tell you about a Supreme Court case that was resolved uh, this past week. And the First Amendment to the United States Constitution in relevant part says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. So it's she can't make a law, we can't make a law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So the Supreme Court ruled in a case this week, our U.S. Supreme Court, about a, a Trinity Lutheran school, um, which was a, it's a preschool, and they had applied to the state of Missouri for, the, the state was recycling tires and offering these scraps of tires as recycled material to be used to be available to schools for their playground surface because it's you know you get a few less scrapes and bumps if you can if your playgrounds are on a bouncy surface than if they're on a flat ground so the uh, in Missouri that the state of Missouri had written into its law something called the Blaine Amendment and the Blaine Amendment is something that was actually started back in um, the 1800s. And honestly, it was created to, it was trying to fight Catholic school growth in America. So so it was a concept that didn't get through Congress. There was an effort to get this this, uh, law in Congress that said this, but Congress didn't pass it, but many states did. They put it in their state law, their state constitution, and essentially said that no school money of any kind may ever go to benefit of any, no tax dollar money can ever go at all in any way to benefit a, a religious institution, a religious school. Total attack on Catholic. The point of it was to attack the growth of Catholic schools. Well, this Trinity Lutheran School in Missouri applied to the Missouri to get this tire scrap material to use for their playground and was turned down because of the Blaine Amendment. And so the school took it all the way to the Supreme Court. And this was a great decision. First of all, it was seven to two. Our new justice, conservative justice, Neil Gorsuch, wrote part of the opinion and was very, very good. But the point of it was, when you look back at the First Amendment, it says, 
Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. That means Congress cannot announce, by the way, here in and no state government can announce, you know, in our state, we hereby say, you know, this is the state religion or the federal government can't say this is the federal, federal religion. Everyone must be this religion. That's what an establishment of religion would be. And it would be clearly be unconstitutional and everyone I know would oppose it. But that has been pushed and pushed and pushed again by the American left who are intolerant of religion, pushed and pushed and pushed to the notion that any signal of assistance, any, I mean, any degree of in any kind of support by a state for a religious uh, institution, a church or otherwise, would, was viewed to be unconstitutional, was viewed to be an establishment of religion. Gone, the, the you know, pendulum had gone way too far to say basically can't help religions at all, at, you know, in any way. So here we have the Supreme Court ruled in this case, great decision, ruled essentially saying that it was unconstitutional for the state of Missouri to say that this playground material was available to all other schools, but not religious schools. The state was discriminating based on religion. And so the Supreme Court decision not only struck down this particular case of Blaine Amendment in Missouri, but now states throughout our country that have Blaine amendments, that have amendments just saying that no money may ever possibly uh, go in any way to help a, uh, a, a um, religious school uh, is ever allowed. Those are also now in question too. So the real excitement of this is that the Supreme Court is really pushing back on kind of decades of left-wing pretty much attack on religion and saying, you know what? Every nice little thing is not an establishment of religion. Come on now. So great decision. And we're going to go off to break here in a moment. But I want to tell you, coming back from the break, we have a great guest joining us from the Texas Public Policy Foundation, Dr. Tom Lindsay, to talk about freedom of speech on campus. Don't go away. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. 
Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. The National Center for Policy Analysis brings together the best and brightest minds to tackle the country's most difficult public policy problems in health care, taxes, retirement, education, energy, and now national security. The NCPA works to develop and promote private free market alternatives to government regulation and control, solving problems by relying on the strength of competition and the private sector. As America's think tank, the NCPA wants to make sure you have access to simple, clear solutions to the issues that matter to you. Come get to know the NCPA at one of their events and join the conversation by following them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. To get policy solutions delivered straight to your inbox, sign up for the NCPA free email newsletter or subscribe to one of their policy blogs. To get involved with America's Think Tank, go online today to ncpa.org. The NCPA would love your support and you'll love being part of the solutions to America's challenges. So go to ncpa.org. That's ncpa.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Welcome back to America Can We Talk. As I mentioned before the break, we have a great guest joining us this segment, Dr. Tom Lindsay. He is with the Texas Public Policy Foundation and is the director of the Foundation's Center for Higher Education. And first, Dr. Lindsay, thank you for taking time on Independence Day weekend to join us. Well, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. I love your show, and it's great to be on. Well, thank you so much. We're trying to really dedicate the show, especially this week, to July 4th, Independence Day, and the celebration of America. And this is just a great topic that we – I want to tell our listeners a little bit more about what you've done. And then I want to turn to freedom of speech on campus and what's happening with that and how we can fight back. You had a great article. Uh, I'm going to read the 
the title of the article in the moment <laughs> was really a clever title, but Dr. Lindsay, with, again, with the Texas Public Policy Foundation, um, the thing I wanted to mention about him was he has recently published American, the American Government College textbook called Investigating American Democracy. He's published many articles on the subject of democratic education. They've appeared in the world's most prestigious academic journals, um, published articles on higher education reform and all sorts of uh, national review, which we quote uh, frequently in this show, Washington Examiner. So he's really a scholar who talks about um, Dr. Lindsay is a scholar who talks about the actual importance of um, education and higher education and free speech. So his article, which I, why I wrote to him, want to get him on, is called From Borked to Mizzoud, How to Restore the First Amendment on Our Campuses. So let's just start with this. We all watched what happened in uh, start with Cal- I guess we can start with California and, and Berkeley wouldn't let Ann Coulter speak. Middlebury, Dr. Charles Murray, re- renowned academic, not permitted to speak. Or I guess he did speak, then got harassed. Claremont College, Heather McDonald, we've had her on many times. She she was interrupted, not able to speak. So all of this tumult happened on campus. I think people sit back and they think, what's happened to, I guess, diversity viewpoint? What's happened to freedom of speech on campus? So just to start with, what should campuses do about this? Well, they should do a lot. But let me add one thing to your mention here of Middlebury. It wasn't as bad as it was that Charles Murray uh, was forced to go to an alternative venue and have to live stream. The professor who invited him, Dr. Allison Stanger, herself a liberal, When she and Murray tried to leave after the talk, they were assaulted. She was grabbed by the hair, and she ended up having to go to the emergency room, from which she exited with a neck brace. So an actual physical attack. Yes, exactly. This is what's happening on America's campuses. And, you know, another thing is so interesting. I mean, it's always the American left that tries to say we are the the ones who stand up for freedom, we stand for liberty, we stand for, you know, they, they, they try to take the high road, but mostly the speakers who are cut down or, or shut out or attacked or prevented from coming on college campuses are the ones from the conservative side. So it's the liberals in this country who are shutting down speech. You are exactly right. Remember, 1964, the, the free speech movement, where did it begin? Berkeley. Right. University of California at Berkeley, the same place that today is among the least tolerant places in America. Universities, by virtue of their mission, and this is why we give them academic freedom. This is why we revere them, because they have to have academic freedom, because without it, you cannot reliably pursue the truth. And that's what the intellectual life is all about. But the left today is at war with the intellectual life. And by being at war with the intellectual life, it's also at war with America. Because when you read our Declaration of Independence, which we're going to celebrate in a couple of days, it says we are making the following argument based on reason. And then it limits the four self-evident truths of the Declaration, the American theory of justice. And it says human equality, inalienable rights, government by consent, and the right to rebel. Those are truths that depend on the authority of human reason, the intellect, to discover them and communicate them to each other, regardless of our religion. But today, the left denies that that is even possible. So their war on free speech is a war on America. 
and the stakes truly couldn't be higher. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, it's so interesting. You think about the when America used to, we used to look in our, from our country, look over at communist countries and countries with, repre- with countries with repressive governments and people afraid to speak. We look at Cuba today. We used to think, but this is America. We're better here. We're different. We know better. We found the country in freedom of speech. And yet we are in a place where so many on the left, and, you know, I was talking about this with an earlier, we had a, an author on earlier. There's a sense of indignance among those people who are trying to shut down liberal, trying to shut down conservatives and free speech, kind of a a sense of indignance or moral superiority, like, but we have to shut down these conservatives because they're wrong and they're bad. And they're, I mean, it's like a pride in being in shutting down speech. No, that's exactly right. No, they have abandoned the liberal uh, principle of free speech. And that's my point is that in abandoning that principle, they not only abandon, but they reject America. And yeah. that's what I mean when I say, I mean, this is the universities today our ground zero of the culture wars. And if free speech is lost on our campuses, it'll be lost in our country. There's a saying that's attributed to Abraham Lincoln, uh, which I've never been able to verify, but it's a great statement nonetheless, and that's this. What is taught in the classrooms in this generation will be practiced in the legislature in the next. I love that quote. I've forgotten about that. I, I, I do know I read it and was attributed to Lincoln and I was anyway I wasn't but anyway it's a great great point I, it's I say it in probably a more pedestrian way but if you go through college and you think that the idea of speech in America or the idea of discussing ideas is you know the loudest guy wins and there are some views are not permitted and you take that out to the world well the people in colleges today who are here are being taught that the administrators permitting it the professors uh, agitating for it those people get out and they become Teachers, professors, politicians, mayors. Oh, yes. Yeah, they, they become the yeah, leaders. Right. Yeah, you, okay. You said, it, you said it so well. That's absolutely right. And to those parents and to those who, like myself, were in college several decades ago who think, oh, why are these students rebelling? I have news for your audience that they need to hear. The students are not rebelling. They are simply acting out what they are being taught in the universities. That's even scarier thought. If you are just tuning in, we're speaking with Dr. Tom Lindsay for Texas Public Policy Foundation. He had a great article, uh, which he titled, From Borked to Mizzoud, How to Restore the First Amendment. So you have some uh, ideas, and some of them we've talked about before in the show, this idea that, you know, you have to have college professors feel the pressure uh, for intellectual diversity. We have to have a push against college administrators and professors that tolerate this. I love this one. Speakers should be guarded by police. Yes. College should set aside yeah, protest zones. Okay, but the protest zones aren't going to fly with the protesters. They want to be. They, they they're not going to. But they need. We need to try that. I agree with that. But you finally yeah, well, got. Cr- criminals never like restraint. <laughs> That's a good point. But then you also had this one, which I really wish we could start with, which was punishment of disruptive protesters should be more severe. I I mean I. Oh, don't, absolutely. As, absolutely. As in kicked out of college, I don't understand why they get to stay and they well, burn yeah. buildings. No, I mean, in the middle of the very uh, protesters, and here, as I said, this liberal professor, Stanger, whose only sin was uh, uh, being open to diversity of viewpoints, meaning the purpose of liberal education, uh, nothing happened to them. Nothing. I mean, they were given slaps on the wrist. Yeah, and you know, back to, to the um, protests at Stanford before uh, Milo Annapolis and then Ann Coulter. Yeah. 
that stuff, I mean, I, I'm not even, I mean, certainly the people who burn buildings, tip cars, broke windows should be expelled. But I even think people who are, who think they're justified in disrupting a speaker entering the venue or yelling while they're trying to speak, there should at least be severe punishment uh, in terms at least of suspension, go home for the rest of the semester, come back until you, when you can, but I, I just feel like the college campuses have gotten weak about it or unwilling to be well, firm. It, it, you're right. It's in part due to weakness, but it's also in due, and I, and I don't pretend to know what the ratio is, but it's also due to the administrators, the presidents and the provosts, agreeing with the protesters. Yeah. That's the problem. So, so uh, you know, the Wall Street Journal ran a piece about how some universities now uh, – are starting to issue statements and establish commissions to make speech what they call more inclusive. Um, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Because, yeah. right? I mean, look, I'm old enough to remember the 60s radicals. They went on to become professors, just like me, right? Um, and then they went on to become deans, provosts, and presidents. So here we are. So here we are. We are also here coming up. We have about 45 seconds to a break. I want to, when you come back, we have a quick break coming up. When we come back, I want to ask you about, there was a uh, story out of Harvard I thought was so amazing, and I'm curious how you saw it. But for our listeners, very quickly, Harvard had, you know, they had their students apply. They've been accepted. They're supposed to start school this fall, fall of 17. And they created chat groups online. And these chat groups, some of the kids got involved in chat groups. At the end of the story was... These kids, some kids got their acceptance at Harvard withdrawn over speech they made in these chat groups online at Harvard. So can't urge you enough. Come back after the break. We'll talk about it more. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony list, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Texans have a long tradition of independence, and we don't like being told what to do, especially by liberal bureaucrats 1,000 miles away. That's why for 30 years, the Dallas-based Institute for Policy Innovation has fought Washington's efforts to take more of your money and freedom. IPI works every day to keep taxes low and freedom high to promote free market health care, expand energy security, protect intellectual property, and combat onerous regulations that destroy American jobs. Politicians often talk smaller government, but then vote for more of it. By contrast, IPI has never veered from its mission to defend the Constitution and fight for freedom. If you want to be informed about free market policies and solutions, go to IPI's website and sign up. All of their information is free for sharing. 
Help IPI restore liberty and economic growth. Go to IPI.org today. That's IPI.org. One more time, go to IPI.org today. Hi, this is Debbie George Addis. On my radio show, we have the theme music by Krista Branch that has the refrain, I am America. I chose it because it summarizes what I think is a really important truth about America. We the people are America. We the people are blessed with extraordinary power in our country, and we have to use that power to keep America strong and free for everyone. And how do we do that? We have the responsibility to understand the issues facing our country, to get beyond soundbite and slogan politics. We have the responsibility when politicians propose solutions to understand, will those solutions preserve American-style freedom or slowly, incrementally destroy it? We have to vote once we are informed about the issues. But even more so, we have to speak up to our friends, our family members, to speak up in our daily life about the reality that we each have a responsibility and privilege to defend American-style freedom. This is Debbie Georgiatis on America Can We Talk. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. Again, if you're just tuning in, I'll tell you that I'm blessed to be doing the show from San Diego uh, this week. I appreciate Salem helping me, Salem helping me so much. I want to appreciate, uh, thank again Jim Bartow and Greg Lindemood in Dallas Salem Studio for helping me get this all set up. And Joseph Campillo and Chris Squires here in San Diego for getting this set up. If you're watching on Facebook Live, you'll soon discover that even though you can hear me, my guest on the line tonight, Tom Lindsay, uh, the sound isn't working on Facebook Live for my guest. So, Slight problem, but other than that, so glad you've tuned in. But we're, you know, otherwise we're rocking and rolling and so happy to be doing the show live from San Diego. So, Dr. Lindsay, I want to go back to this thing I mentioned before the break, which was, what you, I was curious what you thought about this. Harvard, um, on the subject of freedom of speech and the freedom of students to speak, Harvard uh, decided, I think it's up to 10 students, they have withdrawn offers for students to attend this fall because of comments the students made online in some kind of private chat group that Harvard set up. So I'm going to guess the, the, state, the student statements were crass, and uh, I, I don't even know what they were, but do you think that's a free speech problem, or do you think Harvard is doing what it ought to do? Well, I don't think it's a free speech problem only because this is not against a governmental entity. This is a private university that's entitled to, uh, to take students on the basis that it wants. I did a little investigation of that, and uh, apparently... 
it was it was meant to be a joke, and it turned out to be a bad joke, and contained uh, pornography, anti-Semitic memes, etc. Um, I tell you something. I some days on on, on bad days, I think that uh, uh, social media is is uh, this decade's uh, sign of the uh, coming apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really, I really wish it had never been invented. I'm really. People shouldn't be interested in my immediate thoughts, and nor should I in theirs. Well, I just tell you this about that subject. I do feel like uh, a couple of things. I know that, I mean, I'm a lawyer by background, so I know, yes, that the First Amendment really only applies to government action. So Harvard taking action against these students um, and withdrawing, which is a huge thing to do to a student admitted to Harvard, uh, arguably mm-hmm. one of the, you know, it's a very liberal place, but arguably one of the best institutions in the world. And so they are all set to go. And I think, um, and I know it's not a First Amendment problem, but I, I was troubled by it, I think, for a couple of reasons. One is you mentioned social media. You know, yes. I think, yeah, students and young people, and I'm on social media. I love Twitter. I love Facebook. But Oh, I am, too. I, we are, we've got a higher ed reform website, uh, C-through-E-D-U, that I just plugged. Uh, where well, we, I was going to uh, ask you to plug yeah. it again at the end. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, we love we love you know we love Facebook for that purpose, but at the same time. <sighs> oh, I mean, I, I'm not. I'm sure what they had to say was most unpleasant and crass and and undesirable. Yeah. So I'm not defending it, but I do think what better place to go to college to 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 help these people lift out of the mindset that they got into on social media where humor, which was crass or off color or even discriminatory. I mean, it's like you want those kids to be enlightened. If they're smart enough to get into Harvard, you want them to be, to get there and get enlightened and figure out what's appropriate and not. That was my first thought about it was it just, I'm, I'm, I, I think that they may have been more helped by going to Harvard than being kicked out. Um, but the second point is, you know, there's so many things in the left-wing world that are they're not tolerant of. Um, and so I don't, you know, when a college decides yeah. certain things are hate speech. I mean, so if you're a strong Christian, you believe in traditional marriage, is that hate speech to the LGBT community? I mean, it can, I think it's a rough thing for a school to say what really counts as hate speech. Boy, you state the issue really well, Debbie. And and um, and you know, I have to agree with you that these are 18-year-olds, and you would think that Harvard's attitude, especially since they consider themselves to be the most enlightened among human beings, uh, <laughs> we, right? we we disagree. But yes, <laughs> yeah, right, we disagree. Yes, but you'd think they would say, well, we'll take in these benighted individuals and and turn them into models of uh, progressives of the progressive mindset. But instead. They show their absolute fear of disagreement. So I think you make a good point. And, you know, as I say, Harvard had a right to do it. That's not the same thing as saying that it was right to do it. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was actually really shocking, honestly. So last thing yeah. I want to get with you, you on was your back to your article you wrote. Um, you mentioned things that I really I, I do think the intolerance of free speech on campuses is so significant that I would like oh, yeah. to see more more pressure put on them rather than just kind of scolding college uh, presidents. Exactly, about... yes. So, so right. what are the monetary ways we can put pressure on colleges to, to end this kind of viewpoint discrimination? Well, here I speak to the mothers and fathers and grandmothers and grandfathers in your audience, all of whom have learned, don't look to government to solve your problems. Here's how you can solve the university problem. Stop enrolling your kids in the universities that we know to be subversive of the very values on which American democracy depends. 
And if you're an alum, when they call and ask for money, as they always do and on which they depend, in first find out, go to the website for FIRE, the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education. They rank the schools. They'll tell you, are they protecting the First Amendment or not? Because if they're not protecting the First Amendment, that means they don't believe in free and open debate. And if they don't believe in free and open debate, that means they don't believe in education. And it also means they don't believe in the essential precondition of a successful democracy, which is free and open debate. So you see how this is a double blow aimed right at the heart of the American experiment in self-government. It absolutely so well said. I couldn't agree more. And you mentioned, uh, you know, this. Um, you mentioned your article, Mizzou, and what really happened there when they began to have some pushback. Now, you mentioned people, individuals, saying, "Stop sending your kids there. Stop donating to your alma mater. Yeah. Go yeah. look up. Yeah, go Funny look on, on fire. Talks, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, exactly." This and by the way, we've mentioned the show many times at Fire, which is um, the I can't remember. Okay, Foundation yeah. for Individual Rights and in Education. This is a great website ranking the yeah. schools. But you also mentioned why doesn't the government, why don't state governments start cutting off money well, to schools that yeah. don't tolerate uh, viewpoint, you know, diversity? You're right. Listen, you're you're absolutely right, Debbie. Unfortunately, I can't say for my own state because we fell down on this, which is surprising to people. They call me and say you're in, you're in Texas. Texas didn't defend campus free speech. No, I'm afraid it didn't. But the good news is you've got Colorado and five other states. Bills are still being heard in Michigan, in Wisconsin, uh, restoring free speech on campus. Another bit of good news that just should reassure uh, your audience that, that uh, sanity still uh, is around uh, in both Virginia and Missouri. You had Democrat governors sign into law legislation that banned on all Virginia and Missouri public universities what are called free speech zones. And if your audience doesn't know about this, let me tell them, because you hear free speech zones. Sounds great. I'm in favor of free speech. No. What it is is a tiny little space, and it's the only space on campus in which you can engage in free speech. Even the, Democrat governor, even the Democrat governors of Virginia and Missouri signed those bills because they knew that in America, everywhere is a free speech zone. Well, how does that work exactly? Honestly, I, I'm, I guess, showing my age. When I went to college, we didn't have free speech zones. It was kind of— No, yeah. nor did so, we. So you carve we. out areas where—what if you're not in that zone? What does that mean, that you have to follow the politically correct rules about what to say? Oh, not only that, we've had instances at a few colleges over the last few years where students have been uh, uh, stopped and cited for passing out copies of the United States Constitution on September 17th, Constitution Day. Well, that's clearly subversive. You can't have that happening. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. And, you know, and again, and, and you know, you, you don't want to sound uh, um, apocalyptic, but really— if this continues, I mean, Ronald, if, if, if folks don't have to believe me, hear what Ronald Reagan said. He said, liberty is always only one generation away from extinction. Huh? Amen right? to that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So why do we love liberty? Because from the time we were children, Washington and Lincoln and Jefferson were our heroes. We learned about equality and inalienable rights. That not only is that not being taught anymore. 
that, when it is being taught, is being taught as an instrument of oppression. Yes, it certainly is. You know, we quoted, I quoted my opening, my first five tonight, uh, the speech of Ronald Reagan and his farewell address. I mean, just so moving and talking yes. about just the importance of re relearning again, re-embracing America's special place in the world and understanding that we, the people, founded this. It was found to be free. I mean, it is just a, such a moving um, piece that he wrote and, and his speech, and it's up on the website, AmericaComing.org. Oh, yeah. okay, we're going to have to go off to a break here because this guy's trying it's playing music in my ear when I'm trying to talk. So I think he's trying to have a break coming pretty soon. So I want to ask you for our listeners that we're speaking with Dr. Tom Lindsay, who is the director of the Center for Higher Education at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. How can people find the things that you write? If they just go to www.texaspolicy.com and there, once they go to our website, they'll see higher education, which is what I direct. And if they go in there, they'll, they'll have access to all my articles. Dr. Lindsay, thank you so very much for calling in. Have a great July 4th weekend. You also, Debbie. It's been my pleasure. On August 2nd, 2006, Debbie Lee was notified that her son, Mark Allen Lee, had been killed, becoming the first Navy SEAL to lose his life in Iraq. She had no choice about the news that was given to her, but she did have a choice how she responded. In response to her son's amazing last letter, she founded America's Mighty Warriors to honor the sacrifices of our troops, the fallen, and their families by providing programs that improve quality of life, resiliency, and recovery. Whether America's Mighty Warriors is hosting retreats for families of the fallen, helping heroes heal who are struggling with traumatic brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder, providing relaxation at the Heroes Hope Home, stepping in when an injustice is committed, or doing random acts of kindness. As Mark mentioned in his letter, they know the price of freedom and who pays it. Our troops and families of the fallen need your support. Visit americasmightywarriors.org today to learn more. That's americasmightywarriors.org. Our nation faces a choice. The path of big government based out of Washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in Texas. For 27 years, the Texas Public Policy Foundation has helped leaders in the Lone Star State prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all. The Texas Public Policy Foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country based on liberty, free enterprise, and personal responsibility. Whether informing the national debate on property rights energy, taxes, education, or criminal justice, the foundation works to translate ideas into real change. The Texas Public Policy Foundation does not accept government funds or contributions to influence the outcome of its research. It is supported by thousands of people like you who are concerned about the future of our country. You can help Texas remain strong as the beacon of liberty in America. Visit TexasPolicy.com to learn more. Hi, this is Debbie Georgiatis. On my radio show, we have the theme music by Krista Branch that has the refrain, I am America. I chose it because it summarizes what I think is a really important truth about America. We the people are America. We the people are blessed with extraordinary power in our country, and we have to use that power to keep America strong and free for everyone. And how do we do that? We have the responsibility to understand the issues facing our country to get beyond soundbite and slogan politics. We have the responsibility 
when politicians propose solutions to understand will those solutions preserve American-style freedom or slowly, incrementally destroy it. We have to vote once we are informed about the issues. But even more so, we have to speak up to our friends, our family members, to speak up in our daily life about the reality that we each have a responsibility and privilege to defend American-style freedom. This is Debbie Georgiatis on America Can We Talk. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. Welcome back to America Can We Talk. And again, I hope you're all having a fabulous Independence Day weekend. This is always the fastest two hours of my week, the funnest two hours. I love doing this show. We're almost done. I want to take a moment and thank the sponsor for our show. We have sponsorship, thankfully, for America Can We Talk by GC Works, which is a Dallas-based company that performs research in advanced technology and delivers innovative approaches to the oil and gas industry. Could not do the show without GC Works. So grateful for their generosity. Okay, uh, we had a guest on last couple of segments, and we, uh, we always get up to the end of interviews too quickly. I want to be sure to mention one thing that he was talking about. Dr. Tom Lindsay, who is at the Texas Public Policy Foundation, an advertiser on our show, which I appreciate, um, and he is the director of the Center for Higher Education. And in that capacity, he writes lots of great things, but he made reference to something. I want to be sure you actually caught what he was saying. There's an organization called FIRE. The acronym is FIRE, like F-I-R-E, and it's Foundation for Individual Rights in Education. What I love about this, it's kind of like this grassroots thing holding colleges accountable when they are they are intolerant of a broad range of views when they have engage in viewpoint discrimination or they fail to have allow viewpoint diversity such as most colleges in the United States of America have become very intolerant of conservative views so fire has a website where they actually among many other things they call attention they are a free speech watchdog and they they actually rank colleges so if your kids are going to go off to college in the fall you can go on FIRE's website and see that the college your child is interested in actually does never permit conservatives to speak, is intolerant of free speech. And so you can be part of the part of the effort, part of the um, real energy to get the message to these colleges, you're not going to get good students coming there. The parents are not going to pay you for this education if all you do is, ga- is engage in left-wing, you know, intolerance, the typical American left-wing intolerance of conservative views. So FIRE is a great place to go. They've also been active in the movement, which we've talked about many times on this show, where due to federal pressure from Washington, 
colleges and universities set up programs that relate to sex harassment on campus. And they have the, the way the federal government under Obama set it up was really resulted in some extremely uh, harsh and violations of due process of young men on college campuses. Pretty much if you're accused, you're guilty and you and you and I mean, just all sorts of bad cases. Fire followed that issue, too, and tried to raise awareness of the need to have fairness for these students on campus. So. Um, and the end, we're getting around to two last things, and then the time will be up before we know it. But I want to mention one thing. So we're in San Diego um, visiting family, and, and I'm so grateful we got to do the show live from here. So we went to the beach yesterday, and I had this new book with me. I just ordered it, and I'm going to hold it up. So if you're watching on Facebook Live, you can see there is Mark Levin. And his new book, which I was reading on the beach, is called Rediscovering Americanism. It is such a good book. So here we are on the beach. I kept turning to my husband saying, did you know this? Did you have you ever thought about this? Did you? And finally I said, am I being a nerd? He goes, yeah, kind of. <laughs> anyway, so I was a little bit. It's such a good book, though, for people. You know, sometimes Mark Levin's books are so, uh, I mean, I will read them, but they are very intellectual and heavy, and you're just like, oh, I can't take it. Liberty and Tyranny was a great book. Pretty hard slugging, though. This is, so far, a really good book, and it's a good reminder to people um, why you uh, listen to the show, why you're an activist, why you're active politically, because you really, what we're all about is defending, preserving, protecting this country, the single, which is America, the single most precious, important political idea on the planet Earth. That's what America is, the single most important political idea on the planet Earth. And every single citizen in this country who values freedom, who loves America, it's your job in every generation to speak up when things happen that aren't right, that are not consistent with the highest ideals of our founding, when free speech is threatened, when people can't speak on college campuses unless they salute to left-wing views. You know, we had, uh, anyway, so it's just, it's a, I really encourage you to read that book. I want to close on something tonight that, um, is kind of ongoing. I know if you listen to the show every week, you know, last week I said I wasn't going to talk about uh, Comey and Russia, and I'm not going to talk about it tonight, but I am going to talk about this idea. There is a, um, a great concern many people have um, about the fact that Donald Trump won the presidency in November 2016, and there is an ongoing mission by a conglomeration of the American left, the media, Democrat, you know, um, mafia. That's really what it is. It's the media Democrat left-wing mafia that it has been determined since he won the election to say in some way they're going to remove him. In some way they're going to take him out. So they made up the Russia story. It's now been very clear from testimony in Congress. Donald Trump did not collude with the Russians at all, but still the investigation is ongoing and there's some effort to slime him to to really what it is, is to undermine his credibility. So it was a great article that I read, and I'm going to post it on the America Can We Talk Facebook page. It's at americacanwetalk.org online, and I urge you to read it. It's really a great, strong piece by Victor David Hansen. And it's, but he's making the point, though, it's time to stop just defending against what the left is doing. It's time to stop just denying and saying, well, no, he didn't do that. Okay, the investigation's over. Turns out he really didn't do that. No, he didn't do that. And instead of just being on the defense... I think it's really time for Trump, Donald Trump, the Republicans in the House and the Senate to go on the offense, to be stronger and to be willing to say, to point out more overtly and harshly and regularly that this is not, this effort of the American left, it's not fighting Donald Trump. 
The left is not just fighting Trump. They're fighting you, the American voter. They are saying that you didn't have the right to upset the apple cart in Washington. You did not have the right to elect someone that the establishment classes, and frankly in both parties, didn't approve. That they decided who the candidate should be, that some outsider who hasn't paid dues and doesn't understand how Washington works and won't salute to them. They're telling you, the left-wing mob... The Democrat media mob is telling you you're not entitled to the results of your election. You're not entitled to have the president you chose. We in Washington know better, and we're going to shut him down. So I urge people to read this article, number one. And, and in fact, the way this uh, author, Victor Davis Hanson, brilliant writer in America, he characterizes Washington is he talks about Congress has ceased being a legislative body, and they're now a star chamber court determined to decapitate the presidency. And that is exactly right. So there's just many, many ways that they're trying to do this. And what Victor Davis Hanson is pointing out, is that it's not just Congress doing this. I mean, the, the kind of things they've done against Donald Trump since he was elected, I mean, he lists a litany of them. Sabotage electoral college, talk about changing electoral college, sue to overrun the presidential vote, boycott the inauguration. Many de- what was a third of Democrats didn't go to the inauguration? Systematically um, challenge and, and delay, block his presidential appointments. Surveillance, unmasking, the leaking of classified or privileged information about the president, nullifying federal law at the state and local level, the, the uh, federal court striking down the president's executive orders for which there is no basis in law to do. There is no basis in the law to strike down Trump's refugee orders, but those lower courts did it. Supreme Court finally re- finally held up, uh, upheld pre- the president, but he had to go through time, money, and effort to get the court to do what the lower courts were supposed to have done to start with. They are just talking about all sorts of ideas of like nullifying federal law, suing to remove the president by invoking the emoluments clause. I'm not going to go off on that today. Declaring Trump unfit. There's actually an effort to have President Trump declared unfit to be our president. Run. This is a, a def, Democrat left-wing effort to use the 25th Amendment, I think is yeah, 25th Amendment to the Constitution, to say he's not competent to serve. They are, I mean, this, the, the attacks on this president, whether you loved him in the primary or hated him, he's the president. And these attacks are not only unprecedented, but they're really detrimental to America. And they're, the message to you, the voters, is you're not allowed to pick the president. So what Trump ought to do about this, uh, Victor Davis Hanson has a lot of ideas, um, and, which I, and I agree with all of them. You know, he's actually talking about now that we've had this five-month assault, um, we have to start, number one, one, regain momentum, start passing laws in the Congress that are what the Trump agenda is. The Republicans got to get on board. They've got to do the Obamacare repeal, get the a Trump budget passed, a Trump tax change, tax cut passed, get some legislative um, energy going. And then they also have to decide instead of just defending themselves, go on the offense against the Democrat mainstream media mob. One way, they got to talk about looking into a, a special investigator to in, to investigate in, in, former Attorney General Loretta Lynch. I mean, she interfered with investigation. Who, who knows what she did? Uh, she tried to get Comey to, to soft-pedal his investigation and call it by the wrong name when, in, in her dealings with, with, um, with Hillary Clinton. Uh, investigate James Comey. He leaked a privileged document. Um, go back and investigate Hillary again, her unlawful 
server. Um, go ahead and investigate these things. Don't just agree that we're just going to take it on the defense. Go on the offense against this effort to undermine our president. Have a House Intelligence Committee investigation of the unmasking of names. Name a special prosecutor. We need to decide that we in this country are going to stand for the rule of law. You don't have to like Donald Trump, but you've got to like the rule of law, or else we've lost the freedom in this country to choose our presence. This is Debbie Georgiatis, and America Can We Talk. You know, we're going to have to wind up here in a couple of minutes, and I, I want to run through those. There are a couple more ideas. I guess I do want to mention a couple more ideas very quickly, what we should be doing. But I think the overall message is the Trump administration, not just Donald Trump and his tweeting wars, but the Trump administration, which includes others in the executive branch, it includes Congress and the Senate, the Republicans and those elected offices, they need to stand up for this president because, again, folks, this is not just an attack on Trump. You cannot like him and think he, think he sends bad tweets. Okay, I don't like all his tweets either. But what the Democrats are trying to do is actually destroy the freedom to have elections in this country for you to choose a president. They're fine. They're looking for every way they can to actually remove him. We need to have a, uh, you know, just a, a profound effort on the conservative side to say we're going to stand up and we're going to fight and we're going to start investigating the true wrongdoing of the Obama administration, the surveillance which was occurring after all the mocking. The surveillance was occurring. We have to decide that we're not going to let that just sit and or tisk tisk at it or flounder around. Investigate. Appoint a special prosecutor, appoint prosecutors, get tough. And we got to stop, by the way, everyone on our side, no more recusing ourselves. We have recused, our, we've had uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions recuse himself. Just outrageous decision that actually let the impression be left that he did something wrong when he didn't. Okay. That's my list for this week. You know, folks, I appreciate your tuning in every single week to America Can We Talk. We're Sunday night, 6 to 8 p.m. You can listen online. You can, you can do Facebook Live and listen. And we always, on the show, talk truth about America. And we try to talk about why it matters to you. Because preserving this country matters to us and really to people who love freedom around the world. So, talk to you in a week. America Can We Talk. Truth About America. America.